Welcome to the South Stands, everyone. My name is Zach Moore. I'm calling in from uh, San Francisco. I'm joined by a, a, a group of uh, good friends and Buckeye alums. And today we are uh, recapping Ohio State's 42-0 victory over Cincinnati this past Saturday. Um, TG, why don't I start with you? Um, I know you were really concerned about uh, going into this game. You thought this actually might be uh, a, t a tight one. Uh, what were your impressions of what you saw on Saturday? So I, um, I've been a big proponent this year that, that I think that the defense uh, is going to play really well. Uh, and that has a lot more to do with the fact that we had athletes. Uh, we're going to have a bunch of high draft round picks this year. Uh, and that last year wasn't a function of players. It was a function of coaching. Mm -hmm. um, and so I really wasn't all that surprised to see the defense play as well as they did. Um, to me, that's in line with sort of what I expected. Um, what I was most impressed with, and I think the difference in how the game turned out to how I actually thought it was going to turn out, was how well the offense played. Right. Uh, coming off FAU, questions about Dobbins, maybe some questions about the offensive line. I'm still not sure how they all graded out champions oh, against gosh. FAU, but... <laughs> That's above my pay grade. Right. Um, and, you know, I think that in particular yesterday, Fields really showed how good he can be. Mm -hmm. Some of those throws he made, like I'm in particular thinking about the throw to K.J. Hill in the end zone that had to be sharp on point and mm -hmm. on time, and it was all those things. Right. Uh, the throw over the back shoulder to, to Garrett Wilson in the in the end zone. I mean, these just aren't passes we've seen out of Ohio State quarterbacks mm -hmm. other than Haskins in recent history. Yeah, and we've not and so, we've not seen the. Uh, uh, that, that, sorry, go ahead, Tim. No, I was just going to say I, I I think that to me was the biggest thing, and I think that the offensive line, some of the blocks that are getting thrown, like I think the offensive line as it continues to gel just gets better and better as the year goes on. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's a process of those guys playing together and coming together as a unit, and I think it's going to happen. And I think, and I think it's going to help Dobbins, and it's going to help Fields, and you saw that on Dobbins' big run. You saw it on Fields' big run last week. Um, I think that Cincinnati's a real team, and I think they just showed really well yesterday how well when all the things click uh, Ohio State can be, and I just didn't think they'd have that good of a showing after what we saw from FAU. So mm. I was surprised at the upside. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, with with respect to the passing game, uh, not only did you see some of these you know, very accurate throws, both on the run and from the pocket, but you saw receivers going up and competing for the football. Like We haven't seen that for a couple of years before now, where you have guys going up, high-pointing the football, bringing it down in traffic, uh, you saw Ben Victor with a, a really nice uh, catch along the sidelines uh, on a back shoulder fade um, where he went up and competed the football. You already mentioned the Garrett Wilson catch for the touchdown. So that was something I noticed that was different from recent past. So, um, Paige, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, just like Tim said, I mean, that was an awesome performance uh, when we did the pod. Last week, I think we both kind of thought, well, it's just going to be a close game. And then I thought, nah, you know what? Contrarian point of view, they uh, they should probably win this game, win it handedly. I think one of the big things, you know, that's really encouraging is the the changes that they probably made, or not probably made, but definitely made with the coaching. Um, I think, you know, there was obvious things that they wanted to focus on and get better at. 
Mm-hmm. Clearly they did, uh, all phases of the game. Uh, I think um, Ryan Day, you know, he kind of called out Dobbins a little bit after the performance uh, against FAU. I thought uh, we saw a totally different Dobbins um, than we did in the first game. I don't think that was a coincidence. I think he heard that probably loud and clear. Mm-hmm. His defense is sick. Chase Young is a scary, scary man. Um I mean, th- that guy is just, he wreaks havoc. Uh, Browning on the defensive side uh, was making plays all over the field. Sean Wade making plays all over the field. Yeah. Just got athletes, like, like TG said, and just unleash those guys. Um, and uh, it was just an all-around great effort. And then the other thing is Fields is amazing. Yeah. Uh, those were teammates are you know, NFL caliber, I wouldn't say that he's got Dwayne Haskins arm talent, but he's not far behind. I think it's pretty close. Um, and so, yeah, I do, I do too. I don't think it's, there's that much of a drop off. That dude is just, he's just making NFL throws to the outside. And the one thing I kept thinking of, you know, like with JT, it's like they were afraid to throw the ball to the outside and, and, and they, they would have to play the game within the hash marks with fields. And, and obviously with Haskins, it's just a total. The playbook is just wide open. Yeah. Those wide receivers, the, the receivers are just constantly open. You have five. There's a player within five yards of them over and over and over again. So yeah. it was just a dominant effort. It was great to see. Great. Yeah, I had an end zone view of the game for the most part. We were sitting in the north stands, and um, to see Fields throw those balls on those on those outs. I mean, you know, the hash marks in the college game are are wider than they are in the NFL. And that's like a 35-yard throw uh, to, to the to the outside the hash, you know, just to complete a, a 12-yard pass. And the ball flies. I mean, it, it shoots. It's like a, he's got a cannon. I mean, the ball flies off his arm. Um, I, I honestly think, yeah. like to you, what you were just saying, I think, you know, he and Haskins both had the same quarterback coach. And to me, the mechanics look similar. Um, you know, Haskins was further along in his development last year than Fields is now. But I don't think they're that as far, that far off as passers, uh, just just you know from the naked eye. Um, CP, what did what did you see on uh, on Saturday that stood out? Well, I can tell you right. I'm going to start out by saying two things. I even more think that this team can win the national championship, and also three out of the four times that we've paid, played Cincinnati, we've gone to the national championship. That's right. Nice little stat to think about right there. So, I like that. Um, you know, yeah. So, you know, I, I think Justin Fields is a lot further ahead than I thought he would be in terms of passing. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, I mean, he completed uh, over 70% of his passes, and I think that he is smart. He threw in- intentionally 40% of his passes away yesterday. were intentionally thrown away because he didn't see, didn't see anything he liked. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and I, I think one of the most things that impressed me the most was the offensive line. Yeah. Um, you know, I think they were so good at one point, it seemed like, you know, Field forgot about the clock in his head because no Bearcat D linemen were, were getting to him, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and it just, he felt so comfortable in that pocket. So for that, I was very, you know, excited to see. I think we've got depth at that offensive line, um, and it's only going to get better, I think, as uh, TG mentioned earlier. And obviously, I think the tailback situation appears to, to, to be resolved. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Dobbins obviously being the first spring, and Master Teague, you know, I think he firmly 
plates himself as the backup. Um, I agree. And, you know, I think that that's, that's going to keep Dobbins running with a chip on his shoulder. So, But yesterday he looked like the elite back he did when he was a freshman. Yep. So, you know, and, and i got to be – I really liked that circus catch that Garrett Wilson, our true freshman, made in the end zone. I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys uh, – I'm sure you remember seeing that, but that was spectacular, and that's that's a true freshman. Yeah. He seems to have a really good chemistry going right now with uh, Benjamin Victor. Mm-hmm. You know, Austin Mack made, I think, five or six catches yesterday as well. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think the defense, you know, they're they're only going to get better. I saw players like Tommy Togai yesterday make some amazing plays, even though he had that one bad penalty where I don't even think it should have been called no, where was, he shoved the quarterback. That but, was ticky-tack. You know, but he was all over the – and Brian uh, Browning was all over the field as well. I mm-hmm. mean, he was in that first half. He was in seventy-five to eighty percent of the tackles. And you know, I would have liked to seen you know Chase Young's case for the Heisman for him to uh, take that ball into the end zone with the interception. But uh, I'm sure <laughs> he'll get a chance to, to do that again. But that was like oh, it was right there. And you know, those Heisman voters like a little bit of that pizzazz. So that would have been nice for him to take that in. But uh, you know, I, I think we're I, – I mean, I, I didn't think it was going to be a close game yesterday. As I said uh, on an email thread that we have, you know, I thought we'd blow them out. I knew we'd definitely cover the spread. So that was uh, – it was nice to see it come out, and it was nice to keep to keep them out of the end zone, just to get that shut out. So yeah. I'm really, you know, excited. I, I, I mean, I will – like one thing that did uh, crack me up was just how – low, tough Borba did after oh my that interception. God. But, you know, I mean, he had a great game. I, uh, Pete Werner is, I think he's, you know, he's a stud. Um, I like the depth that we have on defense. And I think, like, as a Tim alluded to earlier, I think it's just only going to start to gel a little bit more. But overall, you know, I mean, I think uh, I think we looked really good, man. And I like the play calling. You, like, teams are just not going to know what, you know, we've got so many weapons and so many looks. So yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to give a shout out to the Big Ten yesterday, too. How about Maryland bumping Syracuse Oof. 63 to 20? Yeah, the Big Ten East is looking I a mean, lot tougher insane. now. Yeah. I mean, you, you add Maryland yeah. now to the mix with that offense, and you have to contend with that team, yeah. you know, in, in addition to all the, yeah. you know, the, 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 the typical heavyweights. Uh, JT, I just wanted yeah. to get your, uh, before, we, before we move on and look at kind of individual positions and, I wanted to get your overall impressions of yesterday. Were you able to? Were you able to see the whole game? Did you see everything? What did you see? Well, I did see the whole game, and the one thing that I just want to make sure everybody recognizes is the fact that I'm the only one who called this score exactly correct at 42 zap. Oh, nice! No, I didn't see that. Just recognize that, PG. <laughs> yeah, dude. I don't know. That about. was at, I, Zach. That was this morning at ten thirty. <laughs> yeah, dude. That was not the fucking bullshit. So I just uh, recognize number one. Duly noted. Number two. I think we're kind of discounting uh, that we're discounting last week's game going up uh, twenty-eight zap and within nine minutes. I think it's pretty hard to stay in the game against FAU with 28 zaps. So I think that was – I think we kind of discounted that a bit. On the other hand, I think the game plan, not to mention the athletes, clearly completely outmatched Cincinnati. But I don't think Fickle had an answer for that and was just clearly outcoached. I don't remember 
any time playing Cincinnati where we smacked them down like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was uh, I, I didn't I didn't expect it to be quite that bad either. I was I was surprised at, at how easy it looked after the after the first quarter. It was pretty competitive in the first quarter. But then after afterwards, yeah, after that that first fifteen minutes, I was surprised how they pretty much did anything they wanted. They got the running game going. It started with that first big run off off the the left side by uh, by Dobbins. I want to say it went for 25, 30 yards. And who was it that made the point earlier about the offensive line? Maybe it was you, Page, or I think it might have been you, Page, or 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 Tim. Um, that left side of the offensive line is pretty gnarly. Um, I mean, especially if you think of Jonah Jackson, the transfer there, and uh, at left guard. And then who's our left tackle? Why am I blanking on his name? Help me out here. Who's our left tackle? Munford. Munford, Munford. right. Yeah. So those guys, I I thought it wasn't a coincidence that they continued to go off to the left side, I think. um, And then, of course, they sprung the big, long run for 60 yards uh, after that. And then uh, Justin Field also, Fields had a, a touchdown run uh, off the left side as well. He also got a little help from Dobbins, uh, who led through the hole and took out a linebacker or a safety, if I'm not mistaken. But, um, I mean, that's what you want to see, right? You want your left tackle at Ohio State should be your best offensive lineman. And Jonah Jackson was, you know, he was pretty heralded. And a lot of a lot of top programs wanted Jonah Jackson as a as a grad transfer out of Rutgers. And he's proven to be every bit as good as as advertised. Um, so I think that bodes well for the running game that they got that, you know, they, they got the left side of that line going. And I would expect that's going to be kind of where they, uh, that's going to be their bread and butter in the run game uh, going forward. Um, so I wanted to focus real hey, quick. I'd like to say one other so, thing. That, go ahead, CP. I'd like to say one other thing that I don't think anybody has really mentioned that, uh, you know, he was questionable before the game last week, but DeMario McCall, man, that kid, I, I like what he's like the way he looks so far this year, returning kickoffs and punts and, right. you know, he's, I, I, but I think he's going to be a, a, an integral piece to uh, our success this season. Well, I mean, special teams and things of that nature. Well, it's interesting you bring him up because I'm, I honestly, I, I agree with you. I think he's talented. He's got big playability. He can do a lot of different things. But I'm having a hard time seeing where he fits in right now, especially with Master Teague emerging as, as you said, what looks like our clear number two running back. Um, maybe there's maybe they move him and give him a little more time at H. I mean, I, he certainly doesn't really factor into the yeah. wide receiver rotation. I don't know. Do, what do you guys think? Where does he kind of factor in long term outside of special he, teams? Go ahead, CP. I yeah. I I would much rather see him returning kickoffs and punts than. Uh, K.J. Hill in the punts because, yeah. I mean, yes, yeah, K.J. Hill is solid, but there was a couple times yesterday he made me nervous. There was like that <laughs> catch on the sideline there. He shouldn't have dropped that ball. You know what I mean? There was a couple he dropped, and he just, you know, he makes me a little bit nervous back there on those punts, right. punt returns. So, I mean, you know, I, I think he's got big playability, and like you said, I don't know where he can fit him in, but I, I think that they will get a couple schemes of where he can get him in and get the get his hands on the ball. I hope so. I hope so. And yeah, the other thing is his health, right? Uh, it he's just hadn't been able to, hasn't been able to stay healthy most of his career. And even last week, you know, he got off to a great start. He he uh, against FAU, he almost broke the opening kickoff. He had a great punt return, but then later in the game, I want to say like mid third quarter, he took a hit, and I, I know he came back, but he wasn't quite himself after that. So yeah, well, I guess we'll see what right. where where they uh, where he fits in going forward. It's certainly nice to have the depth with playmakers. Um, hey, TG, I wanted to go back to you. Do they real- have him? Sorry, go ahead, PBH. 
Do, do they have McCall as the number two back, or is it Teague? Um, it's either or. Teague? So well, I, on the depth chart, it's uh, Demario McCall or Master Teague as the backup running back. But we saw that that Teague got the lion's share of the carries yesterday. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that ship has sailed, man. I mean, I'm sorry, but Master Teague needs to fucking play. Yeah, that I agree. Is a bull. That plays right. He, yeah, you he, know, he runs, so, I love so, his. He's a power runner. Yeah, yeah man. I mean, it, it kind of reminds me a teeny bit of uh, Lindell White, right? Yeah. The old USC man. That dude is just, you know, I mean, he's not slow, but my God, you know, after contact, and it looks like he relishes contact. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he does. And it, and, and isn't he just a true freshman, or is he a, a redshirt freshman? I think he's a sophomore. Is he a true sophomore? I, I, he played a little bit last year, but yeah, I don't he's know. A sophomore. He is a sophomore. Okay, yeah. Uh, I heard a, a good analogy yeah. for Teague actually earlier today. I can't remember who said it. It was on one of the podcasts I'd listened to. Joe Montgomery, remember him? He he played in the, that '98 yeah. team, and he played behind Michael Wiley, and it was kind of a similar thing, right? You had Wiley, who was the the, the quicker kind of break breakaway, more elusive had the breakaway speed, and then he was complimented by Montgomery, who'd come in and wasn't quite as fast, but much like Teague, relished the, con- you know, relished the contact and was a great second option. And I, and I, I tend to think, I tend to agree with you, P- uh, PBH, that um, he's, he's solidly entrenched now as your number two. TG, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I, I see Teague being the number two, I think. I think probably through these first two games, it was an either or. I wouldn't be surprised to see him squarely as the as the backup. I think I think he's the better back. Um, you know, I think I think McCall is good for you know punt returns and kick returns and stuff like that. But I just yeah, as you said, it between his health and just finding a role for him, they switched him from special teams to the backs room to the wide receivers room. Like he just hasn't really had a a definitive role on the team. And, um, you know, I think the guy's talented, but um, I'd much rather see Master Teague taking the snaps after Dobbins and Mm -hmm. using McCall (laughs) as a, you know, as maybe a backup to the H-back and then definitely taking punt and kick returns. Yeah. Well, the the other thing I don't think is going to stick is C.J. Saunders as your backup H behind K.J. Hill. I mean, he's he's hurt now, so Jalen Gill has been listed as the is the number two H um, behind Hill for the last two weeks. But and I know you know he's a he's a senior, he's worked hard, he's you know he's a he's a walk on right, earned a scholarship. But I don't know where he factors Captain. in at all. Um, and I would think, yeah, I mean, you know, McCall might be taking snaps from here by the end of the season, or from. Uh, from C.J. Saunders, McCall might be taking some snaps from him by the end of the year at, at H-back. It'll be interesting to see where they, where he ends up. Um, Another person we haven't really mentioned, too, like Chris Olave. That oh, kid is a baller. Olave, yeah, yeah. He, he's, I, I might, yeah. well, Paige and I were talking about this last week, and we were, we were debating, okay, so who, who's the number one wide receiver on this, on this team? Um, if you think about, I mean, I guess you could you could come up with a few answers, but I don't know. I didn't have to think too much about it, and I think it's Olave. I'd have to agree with Couldn't you. Agree and more. I would go with Victor. And, and then after him, you'd go with Victor. Yeah, and then Victor and, and Mac after yesterday. Okay. But TG Garrett Wilson is going to see time, man. After that catch he made in the end zone, that kid's going to see the field a lot this year. Yeah. 
I think this year they're going to tighten up the receiver rotation a little bit. I think they wrote, you know, last year they rotated in six guys, including Hill, Mack, Victor, Olave, and then you had the three kids that just left, right? Uh, Terry McLaurin, by the way, did you guys see Terry McLaurin had a 70-yard touchdown catch today for the Redskins? Um, Yeah, he did. Yeah, and uh, Johnny Dixon and, and Paris Campbell, you know, they were rotating, what was that, six, seven guys in there. Um, I think we're going to look. I think your your core guys are Hill, Victor, Mack, and Alave. You sprinkle in Wilson there as the young guy, but I think those are the four guys that they're really going to they're going to ride or die with this year. Hill, Victor, Mack, and Alave. Um, what do you guys think I about agree. that? Yeah, JT, what do you think? That's a pretty uh, agreed, but I'm slicing ribeyes. <laughs> all right uh pbh what do you I think say that's a solid wide receiver core though yeah i agree a lot of playmaking ability there and those guys they all have good hands and i think they can do a little something with, with the you know after the catch pbh what do you think right yeah man it's it's just a it's a plethora of of options um good problem to have and jeremy rucker don't let's not forget about him oh yeah yeah, yeah he point. didn't even he didn't even like did he even get a catch though against Cincinnati? The tight ends weren't the tight ends weren't really in the gameplay yesterday and uh No. And you know, obviously you saw in week one they were. There was a heavy presence of tight ends, but uh yesterday was uh it was it was non existent. But that's the yeah. beautiful thing that we have that. No, He's I just agree. Setting them up, right? He's just more and more things that, that you have to scheme for. Um probably you know, one week, hey, we might focus more of a pro-style attack, go tight end, and next week do something totally different. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, yeah, hey, hey, Z, I would, I would tell you I got a bit of a different view on the receivers. Okay. If, if I had to rank them one to four, and let, let's take Hill out because I think he's different, right? He's an H. Um, I, I, I take Olave, Wilson, Mack, and Victor in that order. Okay. Um, I think Olave and – and Wilson are your two most natural wide receivers. They run good routes. They've got good hands. They get separation. Mm-hmm. They're both really young. And they're going to be way better than any wide receiver, maybe say for Michael Thomas, we've seen in the last 10 years. I think Mack and Victor I like, and I li- but I like because they're seniors. It's taken them four years to get here. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ben Victor can still hide behind a blade of grass. <laughs> the guy needs to put on another 30 pounds. His height is great, and and he's getting there. But let's face it, the guy's been a four-year project. Yeah, that's and true. And so I think where we sit today, yeah, you play them because they're seniors. They've got the experience. Uh, they can help the younger guys come along. But if you ask me what two receivers I want on the field, it's Olave and Wilson. Okay. So, I Wilson, mean, I'm one hundred. I'm 100% on that, but I think like he's already. I feel like I agree with you. Like the blade crest comment, <laughs> that's right on. But I, I mean, uh, Victor. I, mean, he's, he's, I feel like he's developing a relationship with Victor because Victor's. I, I think he's got more catches and yards than than anybody has at you know in the first two games. So Victor is listed as six four one ninety nine on the depth chart. Six four one ninety nine. That that's a, to your point, TG. The guy could hide behind a blade of grass. He's very slight, um, uh, and he's he has been good through these first two games. But but you know, can you can you? I don't know if you can really hang your hat on that because he has had the tendency then to disappear for weeks at a time. Um, 
And right. and, and in the case of hey, uh, of Wilson, the, you're betting on his potential, right? You're betting on the upside there, even though we haven't seen it yet. Um, we're betting on the upside. Oh, we saw it in the end zone yesterday. We did. We did. Hey, can we get a uh, rib? Can we get a ribeye? Can we get a ribeye update from Jimmy? How those ribeyes going, Jimmy? I've got one slice. I'm getting heat from my dog and my son. My daughter's already eaten, but they came out perfect on the big green egg. Banans, Bino. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Paige, last week we were talking about um, Sean Wade, and uh, you were, you know, you had mentioned him as one of your, you know, the, the absolute, like, Top 11 guys on defense. He has to be out there. We didn't see much of him for some reason in, in week one, or so it seemed. He was huge yesterday. Um, what he had two pass breakups. All one of them resulted in, in an interception. The, almost was, the second was almost intercepted by Chase Young. And then he had the big sack and strip. Ohio State wasn't able to fall on it. But it seemed like he was all over the field. What did you, what did you see yeah. out of Wade last, yeah. uh, yesterday? Well, like we said, right, he's one of the best athletes on the team. I mean, it's, you, can, you can just see it, right? Yeah. Um, so he's got to, you know, he's just, he needs to be on the field. And when he's on the field, he's making plays. Uh, he lit that one dude. Wasn't he the one that hit the receiver where the ball went up in the air and then, it, then Chase Young, like, dropped it? Wasn't yeah. he the one that laid that lick? That was him. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that was him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So just you know, you got playmakers, man. You just figure it out. Aren't on the field. So Arnett oh, was around the ball a lot yesterday too, which was nice to see. Yeah, yeah. He got oh. beat on a long ball. Uh, actually, wait, oh, that was, that happened right in front of us. But that was actually a hell of a throw, and he got his arm right in there, played the football. I I, I just tend to think that was you know a pretty good throw. Although you know, in the case of Arnett, we've seen that a lot with him, unfortunately. But. You know, that's it, through two games, that's really the only big play this defense has given up. And, you know, that happened, what, Ohio, I think Ohio State was up 35 nothing at that point. So, you know, it, it really wasn't a yeah, meaningful big play. Yeah, Zach, on that, did, did you happen to hear Halfley's interview after the uh, game? I missed it. No, what did he say? No. So, super interesting. Uh, talking about that specific play, um, he said that, um, Arnett came off the field and Halfley told him you're done for the day. Arnett unclipped his shoulder pads, uh, hadn't taken them off, but basically mentally checked out, pads unclipped, loose, sitting there. And then I can't remember, something happened. I don't exactly remember what it was. And Halfley said, you got to go back in. We need you back in for this next series. And that's when that play happened. And Halfley said, guys, that's on me. That's oh. not Arnett's fault. I've got his back. That's that's on me. And so I thought it was a wow. super interesting interview because A, that explains it, but B, when you got a coach basically saying that's my fault, how much more does that player want to play for that coach yeah. when he's got his back like that? Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great right. point. Yeah, and for the most part, Arnett has been he's been really, really good and uh, he's also I, he's a physical corner too. I like the way he plays the run. He's not afraid to come up and you know put a lick on a tailback, a, a large you know a bigger player. So I think he's been good. And I said before the season started, I thought Arnett would benefit from the new coaching staff. I think clearly he um, you know he he suffered probably more than yeah. any kid in that secondary when um, uh, Holmes. Who's our old uh, defensive backs coach? Combs. Combs, Combs, that's right. Yeah, when Combs left. 
Uh, Arnett, I think, was a much better player with Combs. And, you know, it sounds like Halfley has done, you know, wonders for Arnett so far. So that'll be something to watch. Um, how nice, Z, how nice was it to see yesterday or the, in the first two games, not one, not one big run play mm-hmm. get through our defense. Yeah. That was just, to me, that is one of the, like, the, the most like comfortable things that I've seen so far because – even against like early in the season last year, teams that shouldn't have done anything on us were breaking runs for like thirty and forty yards. Oh you yeah, don't see that? Oh yeah. I mean, it, it, average running backs were breaking off you know fifty, sixty yard runs on us, and there's been nothing this year. It's been stifling. I mean, and, and to me, I just feel like they 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 made the the logical adjustments. Right? You move the linebackers off two, three yards from behind the line of scrimmage so they can read and react, and. And it does seem, and I'm not smart enough to know exactly what's been done, but it does seem they're thinking less and reacting. They're, they're able to play fast, and it seems like this defense is playing right. fast. And, and there's, there isn't that second of hesitation, you know, as there was last year, uh, where you might see a guy processing something, and, and by then it's too late, right? And so it, it do, you definitely, that's noticeable. Right. You can see that. Um, well, why don't we switch over to the defense then for a little bit? I, I, I'm interested to hear what you guys think. Who, outside of the obvious choices, who really stood out to you? So, so you know, I'm, 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 we're, taking, we're taking Chase Young out of discussion for a moment. Um, you know, Malik Harrison, Jeffrey Okuda. Who else stood out to you guys um, in yesterday's performance? Paige, Paige, why don't we start with you? Uh, it was Brownie, right? Yeah. I mean, he played a lot, and I don't watch every, you know – I, I can't keep it all straight in my head, right? Is Borland in or Browning's in? But it seemed to me like Browning took a lot of snaps. He did. Uh, and he was just a different player, right? I mean, he was just in the mix. He was all over the field. Um, and it just seemed like it kind of clicked for him. And it seems like, it's, to me, it might just be a matter of time before he's, you know, meet your starter or getting the lion's share of the snaps. Yeah. I would love to. There is a participation. And who's 11? Who's 11 on the line? Tyreek Smith. Tyreek Smith. He had a big sack. Yeah. Yeah. Tyreek Smith solid. Yeah. Yeah. He was. Devon Hamilton. He had a massive sack, right? Oh, yeah. A big time lick. Yep. I'm surprised that kid hung out of the ball. Hey, TG, who stood out to you outside of the obvious obvious guys on the defensive side of the ball? You know, uh, so I'd say Paige hit the two that I would say Browning and Smith. You know, Smith Smith only had two tackles, but he had the sack. I can remember watching him last year as a true freshman thinking this guy's going to be legit and he's getting playing time because Jonathan Cooper's injured. And I think it's going to be hard to keep the, the kid off the field. Um, I think yeah. he's absolutely amazing. Um, the other one that stood out to me, and this gets more thematically to what I think Day talks about with respect to the defense, is, is Dallas Gantt. And, you know, maybe he wasn't all over the field and he was in kind of late, but think about this for a minute. The reason Ohio State got the shutout is because as the guys reaching the ball over the line late in garbage time to score a touchdown, Dallas Gantt swats it out of his hand. Mm. Ohio State recovers it in the end zone for a touchback. And that's kind of what Day talks about with not giving up toughness, playing to the whistle on every single play. Like, we just didn't see these things last year. Mm, I agree. But there's a big difference between 42-7 and 42-0. Yeah. Halfley talked about it in his interview that when you can absolutely shut somebody out, think about what it took. It took a blocked field goal. It took an, an interception in our, in our territory. And then it took, 
Dallas Gantt swatting a guy reaching for a touchdown off to keep that keep that um, you know that shutout. Yeah. And so you know, I look at that, and this guy's like down the depth chart, but here he is making great plays. Like it's there's so many guys on defense making plays. It's awesome to see. Yeah, yeah, and he'll have his day, right? We'll we'll be hearing from Gantt. Um, you know, probably as soon as next year, he'll have his day. I didn't realize it was Gantt that it. So that's you know that's the one thing about actually being at the game, and I haven't had a chance to watch, you know, the replay all the way through. I didn't realize it was Gantt that had forced that fumble and forced the touchback. Uh, and I think that actually happened on the other end of the field from us, so it was really hard to see. At that stage, I was watching watching the game on the jumbotron. Um, you know, you know who I was watching, and he didn't get a ton of run. He. Uh, you know, on special teams he did, and then he came in late. Was Josh Proctor, and um, he's an he's got an interesting physique for a guy playing safety. He's being compared a lot to Malik Hooker, but Proctor's got a totally different. Phys- he's he's tall and kind of wiry, thin, wiry, strong, a little bit like kind of like an Ed Reed type build, and um, I just think he was he was fascinating to watch, and he. He absolutely flies. He is an explosive player. I cannot wait until he gets his opportunity. Um, You know, he might even be a better player than Jordan Fuller now, but Fuller's the veteran. He's steady back there. You know, he's not going to beat out Jordan Fuller. He's just going to have to wait his turn. But um, while he didn't make a ton of plays, Proctor just stood out to me, just just watching him uh, run around out there. He is an impressive-looking athlete. Um, JT, what about you? You got anything to add to this uh, kind of players under the radar? Game plan. No, I'm going to say the game plan and the execution of the game plan by the coaches. There I you think go. that they're my MVP for yesterday. All right. Um, With a mouthful of fucking ribeye, bro. <laughs> exactly. Medium rare asparagus. <laughs> ah, the asparagus. <laughs> um. What was the crowd like at the game, Zach? It was good. It was lively. Actually, it was, um, you know, well, I guess, you know, we went to, uh, Ohio State went over to semesters, right? And when we were on the quarter system, this time of year, that game would kind of be, I guess, muted. uh, Because, I don't know, either kids are just getting started or classes haven't started yet. And, um, but, you know, the campus was just, you know, the fall quarter had started. So it was, uh, it was a buzz the whole time we were there. So it was a good crowd, perfect weather, mid-70s. Um, and it was cool to kind of have the perspective that I did from, you know, from the north stands, being able to see, um, you know, just see holes open up. And honestly, earlier in the game, we were talking about uh, about J.K. Dobbins, and things weren't looking good there early on. But And I think I'd even sent you guys a text. In his defense, there just was nothing there early on. And you can see that from the perspective I was on. You wouldn't be able to see it from television, but... Uh, since he just, I don't know if they had extra men in the box, but they were really, you know, clogging those running lanes early on. Um, the other thing that was a really cool to, to see from the perspective that I was sitting at was uh, on some of those, uh, the, the quarterback sacks that Ohio State had where the pocket collapsed on those passing. It, it's amazing how quickly the pocket collapsed and how explosive Chase Young is off the edge. Um, he, he's, Tim, I know you've, you've gone to a lot of games and you've seen him play in person a lot. But um, this is the first, well, the second time I've seen him play in person, but the second, only really the first time I've seen him playing at this level, um, it is otherworldly how explosive he is off the edge and how quickly he gets to the quarterback. And then, of course, 
when he makes impact, it's like watching a like a tiger like just take <laughs> out a you know it it, it was impressive. Uh, uh, so yeah, and I think that, somebody sent around a picture earlier this year, and I think that he's. He's been hitting the weight room. Mickey Mariotti's been doing good things with him. I mean, he's just, he's a man among boys out there. Mm-hmm. And just give this just give this some thought for one minute. It wouldn't really happen, but in theory, Ohio State could still have Nick Bosa and Chase Young. I know. In theory. In theory, yeah. Right? That would be, yeah. and then plus, plus the def- interior defensive lineman, I mean, it could be the greatest defensive line of all time. Yeah. Um, but he's going to get double teamed, and I think he's going to do fine with the double teams, but that's going to leave Tyreek Smith and Jonathan Cooper and Robert Landers and the rest of those guys free to uh, beat their single teams. And I-, I expect big things out of the line because Chase is going to eat up so many offensive linemen. Well, you know, the other thing that, um, that is really, really effective in the, um, the, the pass rush is Malik Harrison. They, they bring him a lot on pressure and actually – both he and Chase Young, I think, were credited with half a sack on one play. Malik came from one side, and um, and Young came from the other. And again, the explosive—they are such explosive players, big dudes too. Um, so that's another thing that kind of just adds to that the pat the front the the push that we're getting from the front four that you can bring a guy off the edge like Malik Malik Harrison from linebacker, and it, he you know he can get to the quarterback like it's not just token pressure. Um, I thought he was impressive too, Malik Harrison. We, Paige and I were talking last week about who we would identify as the, the three best players on that defense, and I think Malik Harrison is clearly one of the three best uh, right now. I mean, I think he's he's clearly on his way to a you know first team All Big Ten you know campaign, and then I would identify Young and then Jeffrey Okuda as well. Those would be my three best players. Okuda's the man. Yeah. Um, any other observations from the not defense? Leave out, uh, yes, I, I would. Uh, I would say Devon Hamilton mm. played a great game. He's going to be the, the year progresses. And I, I'm telling you, I mentioned him earlier. Uh, number seventy-two, Togai. Togai, Togai, Tommy Togai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Togai's going to be a beast. You know Where's who, that dude from? Is he legit? Is he from Hawaii? He's from Washington, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'd have to look. No, he—he he, believe it or not, he—he he grew up in Idaho. That's right. That's right. But he's a—he—he's he, a whatever. He's an American Samoa or whatever. Yeah, he's one of those like Pacific Islanders that's fucking stronger than everyone in the world. <laughs> yeah, and by yeah, the way, Idaho. That um, roughing the pass passer penalty. Oh God! I mean, yeah. okay, you can't Both do it, right? It was so stupid, Both and I was play. screaming at the team. Yeah, and I, but I'm like, really? Like we've come th- to this? Like he put two hands on the guy and they <laughs> threw the fl- the penalty, and it's just so you shake your head. You know, it's like, oh my god, it's just pathetically sad. Well, it's even scarier with college refs. Because like like... you just yeah. you just never know what they're going to call. I, I just I just think it's so the 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 rule is so wide open to interpretation to begin with. And I think it's it's so inconsistently applied, and I agree with you. I thought it was ticky tack, and the, the stadium went berserk when when that flag came out because everybody knew what it was. You saw that, you know, there were three guys that got pressure. They got pressure right up the middle, and that quarterback was running for his life. 
and I thought the timing it wasn't it wasn't late. Like he released the ball and he gave him a little shove. It was I, I didn't think it was it was yeah. Like I said, yeah. you just can't you can't trust. Looks like oh. that's but another they're thing. Gonna call like, that too, though. That. You know they're going to call that. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. I think that's another thing we give a like a the props to the the Buckeyes so far for, through two games is the number of the few penalties that have been called against us. That's Last a, year, I think through the first two games, there was like fifteen penalties. So I, that's been like that's been refreshing. Yeah, if you will. No, that's that's a good point. I think we were one of the most penalized teams in the country last year, and um, and they've been much better about it. Certainly at, at key moments, maybe at garbage time, some of the reserves are, are you know having getting a few flags. But overall, when it really counts, they they've been pretty mistake free. You know, the other thing I noticed was um, it didn't seem like Brendan White factored in that much, or hasn't really factored in that much yet this year. Like. Um, I think he's been, he, they basically been alternating him and Wade. Um, it, it doesn't seem like, a, I don't know if the coaching staff isn't, isn't all that taken with, with White, or, but uh, I, I thought that was interesting because the way that he finished last year, you know, he was the Rose Bowl defensive MVP and, and really helped solidify the back, you know, the back end of that defense when he came in in the Nebraska game and he won the job and he really hasn't been much yeah, of a factor. That- am I seeing that? Is that what you guys are seeing or, or am I wrong about that? Yeah, no, I totally, I, I totally just, I, I think it's just the difference, right? Because last year those guys had to make plays after play after play after play. I think our front, our, our defensive line is so good, and the linebackers are playing well that they don't have to be making the amount of plays. I think you could say the same thing about Fuller. I mean, the, there's just isn't as many as opportunities because I think mm. nothing's getting to those guys. Yeah, you wouldn't think, although, although, hundred percent. Yeah. Although Damon Arnett I, I let him in tackles. Exact, I was going to make that exact point. Interesting. Although that said, Damon, Damon, Arnett and, Damon Arnett and Jordan Fuller let him in tackles yesterday. But, but no, I, I, I tend to agree, right? There's, there's, these guys aren't having to chase ball carriers you know, 25, 30 yards down the field. Tim, you were going to make a point. Go ahead. No, I was just going to make the exact point that PVH made, which I totally agree with. I think that when you've got linebackers making the plays that they should make, then the safeties don't have to make them. I mean, as you pointed out, Arnett and Fuller were the top two tacklers, but numbers three, four, and five were Browning, Harrison, and Werner. Mm-hmm. I probably wasn't the case one time last year. It, that You could be right about that. Uh, Browning was definitely more of a presence than I've ever seen him uh, before. I, I think yesterday might have been his best game. Um, it seemed like he was, it, you know, he was in position, running ball carriers down. I didn't see him get getting picked off. Maybe he did, but it seemed like he was getting off blocks better. I, I thought this was the first time we kind of started to see him really emerge. And I think to your point there, D, is because he is a player that he's got the speed, he's got the talent, and they're giving him the ability just to run on the field, let his speed and his that you know athleticism take over, as opposed to like being in this scheme that. Giano and Grinch were trying to put together where, you know, all that bullshit, and he's actually just being able to fly all over the field and, and do what he does best and just, like, chase the ball. Can we talk about Tough Borland's interception for a second and just how... No, no, we can't. Uh, do, you, do, you realize, no, we can't because... do you realize he got he got run down by an offensive lineman? It was a Cincinnati offensive lineman that ran, yeah. him, ran yeah. him out of bounds? <laughs> 
I, yeah, I mean, it was painful to watch. It was, it was painful. Well, so that that again that happened. Did you guys see that stuff? I was just going to say they, that they were marching into the end zone. Cincinnati was on that drive. They were heading toward the end zone that I was sitting behind, and I, you know, I watched again. It was, you know, um, uh, it was our guy uh, Wade who who broke up that pass, and uh, it ended. It ends up in in, Bor- in Borland's hands, and there was nothing. I, you know, not to use a cliche, but there was nothing but green grass in front of him. I mean, if anybody else on that defense comes up with that ball it's a touchdown yeah. I, and i'm not exaggerating i mean I, yeah. I was like oh that's a touchdown we stood up and i'm like he's gone and and then he i mean there were several cincinnati players that caught up to him including a, a fucking guard <laughs> as i as i stated earlier yesterday as like like when i beat page one-on-one in prada loafers i think i could have <laughs> outran that offensive lineman in a pair of prada loafers <laughs> he looked like a gorilla <laughs> Um, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. You, were you guys able to see? I, 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 kind of. To, I'm kind of just jumping around, but we were talking about McCall in the return game. I don't know if you guys were able to see this on TV, but they actually had both Hill and McCall back uh, wow. receiving punts. Um, remember how Tressel used to like to do that with Gonzalez and Ginn, um, but they did that all game long. Uh, they had both Hill and McCall out there. Uh, back in you know punt receiving formation so they had both sides of the field covered um i don't know if you guys could see that from television i thought that was interesting i had not seen them do that in a very long time i did and that's what i said earlier yeah buddy (laughs) so a time a time sanity check here i do think it's uh I, i do think it's a worthwhile endeavor to spend five or ten minutes on our friends up north and that embarrassment Let's do it. Oh, man. Uh, wait, wait, wait. So hold on one sec before we go there. One quick question for Zach, and I don't want to be Debbie Downer here. Yeah, sure. Go ahead, buddy. What was it like when that guy had the epileptic spasms or whatever he had? What was that stadium like? Because that was scary. Well, nobody knew what was happening. So, I mean, unless you, you know, you, you were able to, you know. I, well, I guess now there's Wi-Fi at the stadium now. So maybe people, on, you know, who could access Twitter or the radio broadcast knew, but I didn't know what was going on. I, I just assumed we were all following the play. And then you look back toward the line of scrimmage and the, you know, you could see the kid was down. I mean, they came, they, they sent out the stretcher. They first, they sent out the cart, then they set on a stretcher. So nobody knew what was going on. Like, you know, when they sent out the cart, I'm like, Oh, it's a knee injury. We blew out his knee. It's a leg, lower leg injury. Maybe, you know, he, is it a Joe Theismann type injury? And then they send out the stretcher and I was like, okay, wait, is it a neck thing? Are they got to stabilize his head? But it, it was pretty somber, and you know the entire Cincinnati bench, everybody from the bench, came out to the field and surrounded him. And then several of the Ohio State captains came out. Dobbins was out there, um, and then he he just kind of came to it looked like. And but it, it took a few minutes, but obviously very somber. And um, you know, for a while there, we were all kind of expecting the worst. It just turned out to be a seizure. And then I saw why. Uh, Later on the replay, just I, somebody had actually put a, a clip on Twitter of it where he just fell over on his own. And I th- his arms were kind of flailing. I don't know. What did it look like on TV? I've Evolved never there. seen something like that. It looked like he went into a seizure and he was about to, uh, one of the receivers, I forget who it was, was about to block him and then just didn't know what to do because he started convulsing. Yeah. Yeah. So but I, I will say. Buckeye Nation You're showed a lot of class there. 
They did. You're pretty familiar with convulsions, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> Only when I lose my legs. <laughs> uh, so, all right. So, do we want to spend a little time on on uh, our friends from up north, as Paige calls them? Pipe down to it. What did you guys? Did you guys watch? I'm how surprised yeah. they didn't jump us this week. <laughs> yeah. Well, so they dropped. I saw on the coaches poll to number ten, I think, from number seven. And then we were jumped. That's our dogs going off in the background there. Sorry about that. Um, we, uh, Ohio State was jumped by. Uh, oh, now Johnny's going. Oh, there we go. Ohio State was jumped by LSU I after the big win against the Texas. Name of this podcast, like the Kennel Podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, okay. So we we dropped to number six, I think. Certainly in the AP poll. I don't know about the coaches poll, but LSU jumped us after the big win against Texas. Yeah, but, same thing. Yeah. Oh well, I don't have a problem with it. Big deal. It it's it doesn't matter at this point. No, stage. whatever. It all played out. Exactly. Yeah, but you know what I, one thing I will say about the Texas game, I love old Matthew McConaughey pulling into game day in that Lincoln, <laughs> like that old school Lincoln with the, the horns on the front and they get their asses punked. I love that. <laughs> So I assume all, well, it's clear to me if no one plays any defense. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, that's true. I mean, there was a lot of scoring in that game. I, I, I didn't see much of the game, so I, I don't really feel like I can comment that much about. It. I saw the very tail end. I saw Burrow seal Joe Burrow seal that game on a really pretty nifty throw. Right, he was under pressure. He found he finds that receiver, and then that kid turns it up field. What for another fifty yards or so to pretty much put the the nail in the coffin. He threw for 471 yards. Wow. Wow. Yeah, well, think about that. Yeah. Back, to, back to TG's point about, you know, depth of ridiculous talent on the roster. I mean, in theory, Burrow could still be on our roster. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, last year you, could have, you had Burrow, you had Haskins. I mean, it's crazy uh, the depth of talent they have. But jo- Joey B doesn't. Yeah. Joey B doesn't run a 4 3 40 either like JF. So no. I'll no. take Justin. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. So, um, all right, so... Ohio, I'm excited, the, the, boys. I'm very excited. Me too. So the, so the game ends yesterday, and it was, it was almost the, the, the perfect ending to a great day. The game ends, we're leaving the stadium, and then I, I actually logged into my, my, like, you know, DirecTV account on my phone to pull up the Michigan game, and there they are just fighting for their lives against Army. And... Uh, my buddy Mike and I stopped for a couple minutes just to watch. Uh, you know, we were still inside the stadium and we were going to meet some friends, but we just we had to see what would happen in this game. And just a bunch of strangers just huddle around me, and we were all watching them line up for that 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 kick that you know Army you know missed and they went to overtime. But that would have just been a perfect ending to a great day. I, I know we're not we're supposed to root for Michigan to win, and but. Uh, at this stage, I don't know. No, we're not. Yeah, no, we're not. I, I could. I, no, could I, I want. I want. I, for the record, I want them to be undefeated when we play them. I always do. I know, like Gallagher and a couple other people don't like that, but I want them to be undefeated when we kick their ass again and send the tacky motherfucker out the door. <laughs> That's not going to happen because the team I watched yesterday that 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 team's going to lose three games. And they're what they have yeah, a buy, totally. and then they go to Wisconsin. They have a buy, and then they go yeah. to Wisconsin. They're not winning that game. Uh, I'm sorry. And, and the other thing is, they're not that team. Yeah. The other thing I was going to say. One more. One more thing, Paige, and then I'll I'll, I'll give it over to you. Uh, Shea Patterson. Like, are we sure he's going to be their starting quarterback by the time we play them? Because I, I don't know. I I mean, I'm not sure he's I'm, he's he has, the best guy they have. 
Um, anyway, Paige, you were going to say something? Go ahead. Not get it all. Yeah. Well, no. I, I, so, so I didn't watch much of the game un- until the Ohio State game was over. But the little that I did watch, it's the same old thing, right? They're slow. They don't have any skilled players, at least on offense. And, you know, they're supposed to have these phenomenal receivers. Um, what was telling to me with the game on the line, they, they were just running the ball up the middle. It was almost like they were afraid to pass the ball. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then it was right at, before it got into overtime, and then they went for it on fourth and one, and they didn't get it. Um, but that team, it's the same old team, right, that we've yeah. seen for years and years. And, you know, I, I saw some guy reference to your point, Zach, like, are we sure he's even the best quarterback on their team? So maybe they have somebody else. I don't know who potentially it would be. But they had no confidence against Army in the fourth quarter to have Shea Patterson to say, go win us this game. Yeah. They didn't. No. They just ran the ball up the middle with their, you know, mediocre running back who – you know, would be the fourth, you know, stringer on our team. So, so the, that team, there's no way it's going undefeated. So they will, they'll probably get their ass killed by Wisconsin. I, I agree. So there's a couple things Can regarding the offense. The first is, you know, they brought in this this Josh Gaddis, right, who was supposed to, you know, install this RPO spread attack that was going to make Michigan just multiple and very difficult to defend. And you bring them into the modern era of offense. And when push came to shove what happened right in that late in the fourth quarter what was michigan doing it was you know they were lining up it was jim harbaugh basically grabbed the playbook from gaddis and took over and that was the big question like okay gaddis is he really going to have the the power the latitude to actually call the plays or when push comes to shove is harbaugh going to take over and try and ram it down your throat you know with a fullback so the other point I wanted to make is Michigan's vaunted offensive line. Everybody talking about this vaunted offensive line that was supposed to, you know, have vault Michigan into the playoff this year. Zach Charbonnet, their starting tailback, 33 carries, 100 yards on 33 carries. I mean, this is against Army. Army. Against Army. And then, Paige, to your point about the receivers, Nico Collins, two catches for 32 yards. Tyreek Black, three catches for 24 yards. Um, TG, I'm, I'm interested to get your take on this. What did you see yesterday with, with Michigan? I want to know what he yeah, said to your I mean, brother-in-law. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who's your brother-in-law? Oh, your brother-in-law, TG. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, my brother-in-law. Uh, well, that can't be, that can't be uh, repeated on a podcast. Um, and, no, I mean, I think... You know, the, the, the word that comes to mind when you think of Michigan, following on what TVH was saying, is they're pedestrian. They, they have pedestrian coaches, pedestrian players. They haven't had good recruiting classes. This guy that's their running back, Zach Charbonnet, is a true freshman. That's the best guy they can field. Dylan McCaffrey is their backup quarterback, and he's, what's his name, McCaffrey's brother. Um, and he probably is better than Shea Patterson. Yeah, yeah Christian McCaffrey. Donovan People Jones is their best receiver. He's injured. Um, the defense lost a whole bunch of high draft picks, so they're starting new players. They're just not that good, mm-hmm. and they're and they're not that well coached. And we've seen we've seen what really good players with bad coaching get you. That was our <laughs> defense last year. Mediocre players with bad coaches is a disaster. 
And yeah. I agree with you. Michigan's going to lose three games. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the, Don't clap. Paige, go ahead. So Don't I, clap. I, when you listen to this podcast, you, you blow, dude. Michigan <laughs> sucks. Well, and the, the other thing that you always say to me, the, the arrogance, right? And so I was, I was over at Wands watching the second half and, you know, of course, because he's the mayor of fucking Denver. He knows everybody and his neighbors, neighbors, the Michigan guy. And he's like, yeah, I was out two nights ago and, you know, having beers. And this guy was there. And he's just like, oh, yeah, this is our year. And Juan's like, I, you know, I seem to remember, like, I thought last year was your year. But, okay, maybe, you know. And he's just going, checking off all the, you know, reasons why this is going to be their year. And, you know, blah, 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 blah. And Juan's like, okay, I'm not really seeing it. <laughs> um, and, of course, it's just there's nothing about that team that, that really scares you. And they just are constantly getting all this love, like this halo Harbaugh effect that, you know, um, you know, what's he, he caught, you know, he had Andrew Luck at Stanford and then he, you know, had Kaepernick at San Francisco. But yeah. are we really sure this guy's that great of a fucking coach at this point? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah. I, I think the one thing that still really stands out to me, it's glaring, is the lack of speed. Um, they 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 look plotting, especially on offense. There's just there just isn't enough speed. And if you if if Michigan wants to be in the same conversation as Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, they are way behind the eight ball in my opinion in the speed department. I think on both sides of the ball, um, but especially on offense. Even their great their best skilled players, Nico Collins, you know who's good against us against Ohio State and Tyreek Black, Peoples Jones. They're big, rangy dudes. They're kind of like a Michael Thomas-type wide receiver, right? A guy that you, th- you know, a red zone receiver, a possession receiver, but not guys that you really worry about, you know, going over the top. You know, they're not going to beat you down the field. So, to me, the lack of speed is glaring. And, you know, I don't know. It's inexcusable at this stage because it's clear that that's, if you look at the teams that qualify the, for the playoff every year, Oklahoma, you know, speed all over the place. Um, so they have to address that. And then I also think, like Ohio State did back in 2001 when they bought Trestle on, I think they have, to, they have to renew their focus on the Ohio State rivalry. I think they have to invest more into that. I mean, that, that's what Ohio State did in 2001. They had a renewed commitment to the Michigan rivalry, and they made it the most important thing, uh, the most important objective of the, of the season, and that's when their fortunes t- turned. Uh, and they got it, and they hired a coach that understood it, and um, you know wasn't afraid of it and embraced it. And I feel like Michigan—they're going to have to have a similar kind of come to Jesus moment as a program, and they're going to have to get the right guy in there to right the ship. And until they do that, I think they're going to continue to flail. It's just—it's just not going to happen for them. The other thing, yeah, but Harbaugh—Harbaugh is a savior, man. Like honestly, and part of the reason why I do really want them to lose every single fucking game, because he will leave, right? Yeah. Um, and, and then... Who do you turn to? Seriously, where do they turn? Right. Where do you go? Yeah. Yeah, if, if mean, not Harbaugh, then who? If, if not Harbaugh, then who? If that not program? Harbaugh, then who? Yeah. Yeah, and it can, you know, it can turn quickly. Like, ask frickin' Florida State or Tennessee or USC, Yeah. right? I mean... It, it, it could be a dumpster fire up there very, very quickly. Now, yeah. watch, you, they'll come off and rattle off eight wins and, and pull it out. But, I, I mean, <laughs> it's just, 
it's not I, looking good. I don't know. I, I, I'm not seeing it. And um, yeah, and I certainly with, with in relation to Ohio State, I mean, you know, we're going on 20 years now of Ohio State being the better program in every conceivable measure. I mean, you go down and I mentioned I mentioned this to you guys over email recently, and I'm sure you would all agree that you look at all the me- all the measuring sticks right results on the field big 10 championships national championships uh, you know recruiting in the recruiting trails uh, first round nfl draft picks i mean ohio state has a, a huge lead in all of those categories and it's been that way for going on 20 years and um i i don't think you just reverse that um overnight i, I don't i mean i think there has to be some kind of um there has to be some kind of tide changing event and I think it's probably starts with the coaching change, somebody who really gets it and uh, really gets the Ohio state rivalry and really understands how Michigan has to be brought into the modern era of college football. Um, anyway, who else? Has yeah, but one thing I will say, one thing I'll say about, about Harbaugh and the predicament that Michigan is in is I think they're going to be eight and three this year. I think we're going to beat them. And, and I think that what you'll see happen at the end of this year is you'll start hearing choruses of people say, yeah, he's got to go, but that doesn't mean he's going to go. That doesn't mean the administration and the other people at the university of Michigan are going to get rid of him. It means that it could be the beginning of the end, which means it could be very well be two, three, four more years of Harbaugh up there before they finally say to the guy, all right, yeah, you got to go. And if he's making 7 million bucks a year and trying hard and he really wants to make it work, then they may be in this morass of Harbaugh for seven, you know, for three to five more years. Could be. And, you know, that, I guess as an, Ohio State, hate State, as an Ohio State fan, you kind of welcome that. Oh, yeah. But I don't think that if he doesn't get it done this year, he's gone. I just think the discussion begins around, you know, in earnest, what's wrong. Because right now, all their chips are in. They're on Harbaugh. They're letting him do what he wants to do, and no one's really questioning him. And so they could they could be in this predicament for a while, which would be great for us. <laughs> so I'm looking at Michigan's but the schedule. Whole problem to Zach's point, but to Zach's point, they need to have a come to Jesus, and they need to make Ohio State the most important thing. And then the chips fall where they should, and they start beating teams they should be beating. But Harbaugh's too arrogant, and so are Michigan fans. And so is Michigan in general to make that commitment. They don't think they have to. (laughs) I'm telling you, TG, it might even be more than three losses. If we're talking about the team that we watched on Saturday, Um, I'm looking at Michigan's schedule right now. So they have a bye, and then they go to Wisconsin. They play Rutgers, and then then Iowa comes to town. That's never an easy game. I mean, Iowa, that's a – I know that's that's in – the the big house, but I think that can that game can go either way. Um, they play Illinois, then they go to Penn State. A week later, Notre Dame comes to Michigan. Uh, the next week, they're at Maryland. All of a sudden, who wants to play Maryland? And then they got Michigan State. After that, I mean, I I I, I, I see four or five losses there unless they can right the ship. I mean, they could lose any of those games. It could get ugly this year. I think we can all agree. That yeah. the, I think we can all agree that just at the end of the day, Michigan blows and and fuck them. Here, here. Well said, say. sir. Well said. <laughs> um, all right. So we covered Michigan. Is there anything else you guys saw um, 
kind of across the national landscape you wanted to comment on? Any um, any other games? CU, baby. Got CU. Sorry about that, Scott. Oh, Ross. how about that? Not that I'm a CU guy, but yeah. yeah, that was a fun game. And that was a big comeback, too, right? Uh, Colorado trailed by a couple touchdowns. Yeah, in they that were, one, right? I think they were down. Yeah, they were down. <laughs> so they, they switched over the Michigan Army game for us. <laughs> the CU Nebraska game, uh, we I couldn't actually watch, you know, but I guess that makes sense, right? Uh, but yeah, and not you know, no one gives a shit about CU, um, but again, like Nebraska, you know, I mean, come on, right? Like, and I know you're worried about that game, Zach, but uh, I mean, come on, if you're not beating CU and you blow a 17 point game, and I know it's in Lincoln. Right. The, the, the talent disparity between Ohio State and every other team in the Big Ten, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. It's yeah. Like you're watching, right, it's not exactly. you know, one double A versus division, you know, one football when you, when you flip on these other games. And it's there for the taking for high State. There's just, if they execute, they'll run through the Big Ten. I, I agree. Yeah, there's a, the, just watching. Well, the SEC, yeah, the SEC played nobody yesterday. Georgia played shit. Alabama played shit. Purdue beat Vandy, which was nice. Um, but, you know, the ACC blows aside from Clemson, man. The oh, Michigan how about Syracuse? Above and beyond the best conference. Yeah, I mean, yeah, how about Syracuse getting, like, Syracuse getting pummeled by Maryland, right? Wasn't, Barrett. wasn't Syracuse they supposed to be? 20, like 21. Yeah, weren't they, weren't they supposed to be yeah. the, the next best thing after Clemson in that conference? And, uh, yeah. yeah, and they were like, you know, they gave Clemson a hell of a game last year, and, like, Maryland embarrassed them. Wow. So, well, that's, so a good, like, that's a good topic, right? Like, I, Sorry, go uh, ahead. I think the one game that was interesting to me, the one game that was interesting to me yesterday was, was Clemson, Texas A&M, 24-10. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, you know, I think closer than that score might indicate. But more to the point is just there's not enough national discussion about the fact that Clemson plays absolutely nobody. Florida State nobody. as a program is in, is in shambles. And I'm just looking at Clemson's schedule right now. Syracuse, Charleston, UNC, Florida State, Louisville, BC, Wolford, NC State, Wake Forest, and South Carolina. All of those teams suck. Yeah. And, you know, fine. They get to the playoffs and they beat Bama, but still, uh, uh, I think it's kind of bullshit. Yeah. I think the ACC is a bullshit football conference. I, Dude, yeah. I, and to your point on Florida State, Timmy, Florida State should have lost, but that kid from Monroe, Louisiana, missed the extra point. It looked like, I mean, like, there was just like, I mean, that's yeah. Willie Taggart or whatever his name is, man. He, he's like, they're, they're pathetic. Yeah, and you know. ACC is a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a yeah, well, you get into the field, and then, you know, uh, as Clemson's been able to do, and it's getting into the field that's, um, yeah, I don't, I, well, I don't think the Big Ten, for instance, Ohio State in particular, doesn't, it hasn't gotten enough credit for navigating the schedule it has to navigate. Now, you can't lose to freaking, you know, you can't lose to Iowa and Purdue that the way that they did, but, well, this year, for instance, you know, if Ohio State's going to qualify for the, for the, the playoff this year, We've got that the middle section of the uh, of the schedule, starting with uh, the the night game at Nebraska. That little that section there, that gauntlet, and then at the end of the season, yep. you play Penn State at home before you go to Ann Arbor. I mean, 
Alabama's not doing that. Clemson's not doing that. None of these other teams that are playing for... Nobody is doing no. that, dude. Nobody in the country is doing that. Yeah. Uh, even Oklahoma, they, they play Texas in, what, early October. They don't, they don't play, you know, uh, Texas at the, at the end of the year before they wouldn't have to go into a, a conference title game. So you look at what Ohio State's going to have to do just to get to the Big Ten title game. You've got to go through Penn State and Michigan in consecutive weeks, and then you're going to play a very good team from the West in the Big Ten title game. So think of those three games they're going to have to win just to, you know, get considered for the playoff. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm with you, TG. It, it's, it is frustrating that uh, Alabama and Clemson are manipulating the schedules, and the playoff committee isn't holding them accountable for that. And um, I, I don't know. I'd like, to see, I'd like to see more of that. Yeah, and part of their schedule is, is three, three games before the end of the year, they're playing, uh, you know, uh, Wolford. Yeah, who's not even an FBS school, right? I mean, these things have to be rooted out, and it's the Big Ten commissioner talking to the other commissioners, kind of saying, "Look, the ACC is what it is." I just don't think there's enough national discussion about the fact that the ACC is a terrible football conference, and Clemson basically gets handed a playoff spot every year. Yeah, Um, but what they could do is not play Wolford. Yeah, yeah. Hey Z, I would Z. I'd like to make one last comment. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. I'm, I'm excited as I've been since 2014 about this Buckeye team, um, and I was high. I couldn't be any higher on that team. We should have won the national championship that year, but I am as excited as I was in 2014 on both sides of the ball. I think Ryan Day is the man. I think we've got the the, the staff that he put together with Washington, Madison, Hayley, Urich. You know, you've got Wilson, all those guys. Man, I just, I just think we've got so much depth, so much talent, and a coaching staff that can take this team to the national championship. I, I'm, and and with saying that, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm just excited. As, I, I, I mean, I'm a little kid, Chris. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, we've talked about this. Before the season started, this team has um, – the, the sophomore and junior class were, were both part of number two overall recruiting classes. And uh, if you look at, uh, I can't remember, it was one of the, uh, the athletic guys, Ari Wasserman or Bill Landis or both of them. I think they're using the 24-7 composite, 24-7 sports composite. But Ohio State, just from a recruiting perspective, uh, is the most talented team in the country. If you look at the, the, recru- the recruiting profiles of everyone on their rosters compared to everyone else in the country, they have a talent edge even over Bama and Clemson with this year's squad. And I think we're starting to see that. We're starting to see that that cream rise to the crop. We're starting to see, you know, some of these, um, you know, some of these kids grow into, you know, the, the star players we thought they would be. Um, so yeah, I'm excited as well. I mean, I, I definitely, after these first two weeks, I've seen. I, I didn't have a lot of concerns coming out of the FAU game, Tim. I know you did. Some of some of the rest of you guys might have had some concerns um, going into Cincy. I didn't see anything glaring like we did last year in the opener against Oregon State, where they gave up all those long runs. Um, but I certainly feel uh, much better about you know my my prediction for this team, which was playoff uh, after the after these last two weeks. Does anybody have any? Uh, does anybody have anything else they want to add yeah. about you know just the season in general or observations from yesterday? My my last comment would be that that I am particularly excited about Justin Fields because my expectation of what he would be in the first and second game is a run happy quarterback. Mm-hmm. Somebody who 
you know, isn't really looking to throw, is going to take off at the first sign that the first guy's not open, not going to hit a second read or a third read. And I've been impressed with the fact that he actually seems like he wants to sit in the pocket and throw, or he wants to roll out of the pocket and look to throw, and he'll run if he has to. And, mm-hmm. and I think that, to me, has been the biggest surprise so far in what I've seen out of the team. And I think that's exactly what Ohio State needs. We've got great receivers. We're going to have a good offensive line. Just get the ball in playmakers' hands and let them make plays. Nice. Yeah, I, I've been bullish on fields all along. And I, I've even, I, I even felt like, you know, a lot of people were being a little too conservative in, 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 you know, in, in the analysis of fields going into this year. Uh, people were very cautious. A lot of the people, you know, especially a lot of the beat writers, they were very cautious in projecting what he might be this year. A little too cautious, in my opinion. I, I, I was so excited that we, when we were able to sign him. But I do agree with you. He has, he's shown a lot more polish uh, as, as an all-around player and as a pocket passer and a decision maker uh, through these first two games than, than I thought we would see. Um, Paige, you got any closing remarks before we? Yeah, we're, we're, I, we're at a minute, no, about a minute I, I, fifteen right now. So, yeah, totally. Um, no, t- t- Timmy's right. Like almost to a fault, right? He's not looking to run. There's a few times you're like, dude, run. That's also part of. Uh, <laughs> he had all day to throw back there. I mean, as good as the offensive line was opening the polls for Dobbins and Teague, uh-huh. like pass protection was ridiculous. They were great. I mean, he, he literally just. I mean, had all the time in the world, and there are a few times where that internal clock wasn't going off for him. He's amazing. I agree. Like I'm, I'm, I for one wasn't as uh, sure, or you know, like you, you were clearly on record, Zach. Like, look, man, with coaching and all this stuff, like these guys start to produce um, much sooner than we're used to. That being said, though, I, you know, we talked about it last week. He's also um, really only, you know, played his second, you know, uh, game, yeah. and so. He's he's freaking amazing, um, and we're in good shape. Yeah, we're in good shape. Yeah, the offensive line. You you mentioned the offensive line, and, and we've talked about this before. The coaching staff during fall camp seemed to have kind of a quiet confidence about the line this year. If if you listen to the press conference, Day's press conference, and Stud and some of these other guys, they they felt like um, they had a little something special, and they just wanted to see it. Obviously, but there was a like I say, a quiet confidence about that O line and. And the starting five, I think, is excellent. The left side of that line, we were talking about it earlier, I think is going to be as good as anybody in college football. Uh, and, and they have some depth there, too. they got some guys that they can turn to, Josh Allaby and uh, Nicholas Petit-Ferrer. If they, need to, you know, if they need to go to one of those guys, I think they'd feel really good about playing either one of them. So, well, all right, boys. We're, we're squarely right, right. at a, an hour 15. I think that's a good effort for the first time around. Uh, why don't we wrap it up? And um, uh, we'll hey, connect next. Uh, let's wrap it up with everyone. Everyone, give a grade like we did last time. All What's right, the grade. Great. Okay. Hey, CP, let's start Overall with you. Team. <laughs> CP, give us your grade. A to, a to F. With, I'll go. I'll go with a solid A on this effort out of the uh, gate yesterday. PVH. A plus. All right, TG. Yep, solid A, 42-0. Hard to, hard to pick any faults out of that. JT, what do you think? A-plus for me, calling the exact score. 
pay for the overall performance <laughs> and coaching. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, a solid A for me. A great performance. Exceeded expectations. I thought it would be a closer game, and um, I was pleasantly surprised. I was happy to be there as well. It was a gorgeous day. So, um, all right, fellas. Nice. Well, listen, let's wrap it up. Um, good to and be on with you, boys. Good to be on with you, boys. Good to be on with you guys, and uh, we'll, we'll connect next week after Indiana.